Hello, my name is Joe Rodriguez, and you're listening to Get the Money Right with Todd Butzer. Todd has decades of experience in giving real estate agents the training and resources they need to get their finances on track. In this episode, Todd will be interviewing a talented husband and wife team, Carrie and Steve Schmitz. And now, here's Todd. Thanks, Joe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 28 of Get the Money Right. My name is Todd Butzer. It's so great to have you with us. And I'm really excited about our guest today. And for the first time ever on this uh, broadcast or podcast, we're actually having a husband and wife team that I've known for quite some time. And these two are not only just exceptionally gifted business people, but they're also exceptionally gifted family people. And you'll probably get a little bit of that as we go here. But I have deep, deep respect for these two, and I know they're going to have a lot to share with us in our time together today. So welcome, Carrie and Steve Schmitz. Good to have you guys on today. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks, Todd. My pleasure. So I'm so excited for this conversation. So You know, we've known each other for quite some time, but for our listeners, can you share just a little bit about your business, how you're set up? Sure. So our business started back in 2005 when I was a solo agent, worked the business for about 10 years and closing maybe 50, 53 deals a year and realized I needed help, that the time was getting out of control based on the amount of work we were doing. So shared with my husband who'd always been helping me um, on the business side, the numbers side of our business, but uh, that I needed to hire a realtor. And so he applied for the job. And uh, it was really, you sure we want to do this? And uh, he came on board. And then shortly after that, we hired an executive assistant who now works remotely and does beautifully virtually for us in Florida. And we also have a showing assistant who will help us not only with showings when we're away or doing other business, but will also help us with open houses, which is a huge source of lead generating for us. We do have a handful of other staff people, such as a marketer, photographer, and what we call a runner who goes and does lockboxes and those types of things. But truly, Steve is our buyer's agent and does most of the work for representing our buyers. He's never listed a home. I'm the primary listing agent, but will, I say, selfishly keep some of those buyers who fall into what I call my hyper-local business, really meaning I focus on a very small area geographically, representing anybody who will list between five to 10 miles away from our existing office. As a team that I've noticed, you've always been extremely productive, really, really terrific numbers. But it's always seemed to me that you've run it operationally very lean. Would that be accurate? Yes. Steve and I got married when we were 20. We came from a humble means and have always had to be frugal in our personal life. And that just carried over, I would believe, successfully into our business life as well. And Steve's a number guy. So he helped at that side of our business, which let me freely sell um, as he would work our numbers and keep me in line. So let's go to that. So Steve, when you were, when you first started as when Carrie first started in the business and this was back in 05, you know, she starts, she gets into really some really decent production pretty quickly here. Were you in another line of work at that time, Steve? Yeah, I was on about my third successful career. I was a corporate IT guy at a large corporation. Prior to that, I'm an engineer by education and worked in the engineering field, then got into IT. 
Also in the kind of the background, both Carrie and I helped support and start a nonprofit private school. So by default, I became the bookkeeper in the early years of that and had to use my engineering know-how, being a numbers person and very accurate to balance things to the penny because it was a nonprofit and it had, you know, it would get audited and it would get watched and it was other people's money. So that's when I really learned bookkeeping 101 on my own and uh, did that for many, many years. No, until we could hire a bookkeeper for that nonprofit. At the same time, you know, her business was starting to flourish and I was her bookkeeper as well and uh, still am bookkeeper, but expanded to, to get other professionals involved where I'm not a tax guy. You know, somebody else knows the tax law. So hire the professional to give you guidance there. So that's where my question I want to go here is when, Carrie, when you first started going and you had the, what I would call the luxury here with uh, Steve in terms of uh, someone that was going to kind of watch the money side of the business and allowing you to go focus on what you focus on. Were you two, was the money watched carefully from the get-go? Were you one of those rare, 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 rare groups in real estate? Or was there some adjusting? Or Steve, did you just jump right in and start taking care of it immediately? Carrie, tell them your first commission check. So my career before being a realtor was I was a nurse. And then we did have nine children. So I chose to stay home and take care of those kiddos and then decided to get into this real estate career. My first check that I brought home was around $12,000. Steve sat in front of me and said, okay, take that check and you can write out a check to any person you want for 10%. Who would you like to give 10% of your profits to? So I took the school at heart and gave them 10%. And then he said, okay, we're going to take half of this and set it aside for taxes. And the other half is going to go into a savings account. And I just said, and he kind of talked about a few of the expenses that we had had taken on. And I just went, I quit. Like, a, if that's all that's left of that check, why am I going to, because it was hard to get that first check. Not complicated, but it was hard work compared to the other things I've done in my life. And he just kind of laughed and said, honey, that's what we've been doing with my check all of these years. You just didn't quite see it that clearly. But with real estate, very clear. You need to set up categories of where that check is going to get distributed to. That is such a great story about the separation of the money and the allocation of the money, which again, as an industry, we struggle with this. We just do. So let's take a look now. And I've always thought of you two as a great example of the phrase, it's not so much what you get, it's what you keep. And I don't mean that from a selfish sense, of course, because you're not those kind of people, but you're extremely good at watching the expenditure scope creep, if you will, and managing to a profit percent, if I could word it that way. So talk a little bit about your approach to essentially net operating income. How do you go about that? Yeah, I can answer part of that. The CARES business has always been focused. She talked about being hyper-local in our area. So that helped in our marketing expense. It was open houses, primarily sphere of you know people we knew that really helped grow her business from the foundation. So we didn't have a lot of expenses. And really, you know, we dabbled and tried and said, okay, all these other agents are buying leads. Let's see what happens. What a dismal failure from how we had operated. Just never saw the return on investment there. So by default, or then being a married couple and her working on the listings, me working on the buyers, 
we didn't have other expenses in a cost of sales for leads, listing specialists, buyer specialists. The income that we earned was ours. And then it was just a matter of managing the expenses and the expenses uh, same way. We, you know, we don't drive big luxury cars and learned early on how to plan for taxes. You had that in one of your other earlier episodes that get somebody wrapped around your business that understands the tax implications of running a big multi-million dollar business. And that was probably the best advice that I took way, way back, really, as I got started in the business and we you know, changed our entity from sole proprietorship to an S-Corp in order to take advantage of some of those uh, tax strategies and how to, again, manage expenses. So we've enjoyed over the last 10 plus years since we've had that organized, really excess of 70% net margin. See, and that's really, folks that are listening, this is why I wanted uh, Carrie and Steve to join us today. The industry simply does not enjoy that level of margin. And I just wanted to bring these two on to show that as you look at your margins, and they might be, you know, 35, they might be 40, and that might be great, but it's at least something to take a look at when you see what these two are achieving. In the S-Corp, I'm going to make an assumption here, but I'll just ask it this way. Do you two pay yourselves salaries or do you pay yourself a salary, carry, and then compensate Steve separately? How do you guys handle the salary part? We do a salary uh, monthly payroll cycle that we run for all our employees, ourselves included. And that is really, again, it's a tax strategy in order to have enough income coming in on that salary to be paying regular federal and state taxes. So that salary, the check that we get monthly is net zero. It all goes to retirement federal and state taxes so that our quarterly estimated taxes can be substantially less for the future business profit. All right. So then, and again, folks, I can't stress this enough. You're going to seek your own professional tax and legal advice here. So you two touched on something that, frankly, I feel bad about that we have not talked a lot about on this podcast, and that is the retirement side of things. And we know, again, that the industry struggles here. We just do where I meet agents all the time that have simply never set anything aside here. So we're in an S-Corp. You're paying yourself salaries. You're basically taking that as your opportunity to pay your federal and state taxes here then. So the income, I'm assuming then, is coming from distributions or dividends from the company. Would that be correct? Yep. Okay. Now, do you have a routine on how you do those? Are those like monthly, quarterly? How do you set those up? There's enough going on the monthly basis through the payroll cycle, you know, that are getting, that show up on a, a 941 quarterly that we Typically, don't have to start to worry about it too much till the uh, halfway through the year. Kind of judge how the year is going, and then start to look at quarterly tax payments, second, third, and then make the big one uh, typically by January fifteenth. Got it. And then you're paying yourself just for income purposes. You're paying just distributions to yourselves periodically throughout the year. We've been blessed that this business has gone so well that. Uh, you know, that's the active part of our income and then uh, have been able to set aside kind of another path. That's all the passive income, rental properties, commercial buildings, investment in real estate offices. That's the other part that I watch frequently. Uh, kind of cares not to. She likes to work in her business. I work on it. Yeah, I actually like that piece that when we divided that first checkup and we were able to give back. I had given a lot of my time prior to that, raising children. You are involved in their lives and the community. 
And now to be able to put some numbers behind that. And when you take 10% of what we've been able to do over the year, we've been able to give away over a million dollars plus. And some people are like, when are you going to stop? And it's like, you write out that check to a company or a profit for someone else. And it's the most giving thing we could do. And I love that piece of it. So he focuses on the path of our money um, and it gives me the freedom to just do what I love to do and get paid for it. Yeah, it's so fantastic. So you had mentioned when we first started the conversation that you two got married young and you had to be uh, frugal in those days. Have you two always, would you say, lived below your means? Now, Steve, you just mentioned you're not driving super big, fancy luxury cars and so on. Have you always kind of kept that in check in terms of lifestyle and living below your means? I'll let Carrie answer that. Our, Our kind of joke is, he watches our money daily. He, that is what he does every day. He looks at our money and determines how we're doing. I'd prefer not to do that because it's consistent, but I'd just rather not. And so about monthly, I'll say, how are we doing? Or if I have a client who's really difficult and I want to part ways with them, I'll go, can I afford to do that? He'll hold up a number that's very beautiful, our retirement number or our bank account number. And I'll just say, okay, I have the freedom to go buy a new pair of shoes today and or to get rid of this client who's causing me obstacles. So I we've always lived well below our means, basically because we have nine children who we want to have successful futures and be available to help them as they're purchasing their new homes and doing what they need to do. And we're going to be blessed with our 18th grandchild. So yeah, that looking at it daily is Steve and I just like to give back. Carrie, you just, I'm so glad you said that because, and I, like I said in the intro, everybody, you can hear their passion for their family and their community and giving back. And you also touched on a topic that I've talked a lot about on this podcast, and that is visiting the money, so to speak. And I had done a survey uh, with a lot of agents about four or five years ago, and I asked, how often do you look at your money? And the number one answer as the survey was coming in was never. And the number two answer was seldom. And then right at the end of the survey, they kind of flipped. And the final results were seldom and never were the top two answers of how often they visit their money. So Steve, I'll go to you with this. You look at it every day, as do I, by the way. So I can understand that nerdy part of that, if I can say it that way. Did you always do that? Or was this something that just developed over time? Or has this always been kind of an ingrained habit with you? Probably always, I think would be the short answer for different reasons, though. Early on, I mean, when I worked my big corporate job, I knew what my paycheck was going to be every two weeks for the next 52 weeks. So I frequently balanced the checkbook primarily because money was still tight. I had an awesome salary, but it was, wasn't was always keeping up to what nine kid expenses was. And that was even before private schools, before anybody was nearing college. So that's really was one of the drivers for Terry to start to look to say, what should I do to maybe help supplement income? But yeah, the necessity was always there to stay on top of it. I think one of the questions you've said, you know, have you always been financially sound? Well, we've always been financially aware. It took success in the real estate business to become sound. So then the, the focus changed to watching it daily to know what to do with it and where should it go and prepare for taxes and be ahead of our expenses and pay our bills on time. And be really good stewards of our money. Very using those terms. This money is a gift to us. And how are we going to use it to better 
ourselves, our family, our church, and our neighbors. And so Steve's always, it is hard sometimes when you get that massive check and you have to give away 10%. You know, I'm not going to say that comes easily. There's joy in doing it, but there is a sacrifice to doing that. Uh, one thing I'd maybe add to that is it's not time consuming. It's just a check on a daily basis. I think I forget which book of John Maxwell's talked about what are the five things you do every day? Well, that's my number five is just to watch our money. So everything's set up in QuickBooks. All the feeds come from the bank accounts automatically, from the credit card automatically, gets categorized automatically. I just have to validate. And then uh, if Carrie wants to have our monthly meeting, I'm prepared with the P&L that's typically balanced in a matter of minutes. And that's helped us determine who else can we bring on? Because it was just us two without an assistant. And I would write down at that time things that caused me stress. What in my business is causing me stress? And how can I get rid of that stress? How can I eliminate it? And one of the numbers that came up that was actually slowing down our business is we needed to use a professional photographer, right? We all should. At this you know, average sales price of over 600, you use a professional photographer. But I could see we were spending, you know, do 80 listings, you know, a year at $400 a pop, $32,000 a year, you could hire someone that would be grateful and work for you part-time and you can support another family. So when we review that on a monthly or annual basis, it was very clear on the number side. I knew when it was right to bring on someone that I knew I could support long-term. And we were very careful about that because of our care of people that who we brought on have not ever left us in an 18-year career. We're helping them have beautiful lives as well. And it's Knowing where those numbers are that we're not going to jump somebody into the business and they go, oops, sorry, didn't have a good year. You're out where it's always come from. Yeah, we want you on board and, and this is what we can do for you. And I think it helps them with their work ethic and their joy of working for us. Carrie, that is so well said, because really, as I listened to that, I was thinking that you're using the data of the numbers, so to speak, to make decisions regarding your business but you're not making a decision and then trying to figure out what it, how it's going to work. You're making the decision from sound financial data. So just real quickly here, when you do the P&Ls, is there like a certain day of the month, Steve, that you do that uh, where you kind of uh, reconcile all your accounts and take a look at your balance sheet and your P&L and all of that? Is that just 10th of the month or something like that? How do you do it? Yeah, I was just going to say, 10th of the month by then, you know, bank statements are all published. Gives me a time. Typically, there's a weekend in between there if I need it. Just finalize. Sometimes you get behind and that's okay. You know, it might be, there have been times, it's two, three months. I have not done a full balance, but that's okay because everything's automated. I know there's money in the bank. Credit card bill gets paid. And then we play catch up because we're, you know, maybe we're on vacation and we had large part of the clan home for a weekend and had fun instead of working all the time. So so I've got two questions for you both, and I thank you so much for doing this. But talk about the peace of mind that comes from having your money being well managed. Well, you can start. Does money stress you? It does. I think the nature of me is I would prefer, and this is where I really have opened my mind in understanding the path of where our money goes. I'd rather see a huge, large number in the bank account and leave it there because I know it's there. Steve's always been beautiful in being our provider and protector of our marriage. And so I just need that number. It wasn't until he showed me how you take this passive income and see the profit so that we can retire at any time we want to. We're choosing this path to live the life that we want to live for ourselves and for others. So 
I think it's given, you know, they say money doesn't make you happy, but boy, it does make things easier. And there's less stress because of it, but it still helps us. We're competitors. We've been competitive our whole lives. We went to grade school and high school together. So we know each other's history very well. And we're both very competitive. And so I think that competitiveness, even in our own business, watching our numbers continuously to be profitable, just pushes you. And then that joy of what you do just brings peace. So yeah, the financial freedom here has been very joyful because we weren't always there. 14 foot wide trailer house. We lived in a trailer house our first years and ate a lot of mac and cheese and a pizza once a week was a luxury. And so coming to where we're now, where I don't have to think about, okay, can I afford this this week? I know I can, but I always want to. So we're still very frugal. Steve, what about you? Financial freedom. I can't think of the last time I've worried about money. It's always like say top of mind. It's one of my top five things I do every day, but it's not because I'm stressed about it. It's because I want to make sure we're doing what's right with the money. Uh, actually, that's the name of your podcast, Get the Money Right. So kind of a coincidental, I think. As we wrap up today, what would you say to some folks that are working hard and you know they're pretty good at the client care sales side and they're struggling with this side? And they really, it feels overwhelming to them to get a start here on managing it well. What would your thoughts be for them? Well, I think that's, it's probably like dieting or exercising or anything else. You got to start and just look at what's the one pain point. You've probably hit pretty much every topic of what pain points could be in your series of podcasts. So to go back and listen to that again and again, you know, it takes nine times before things sometimes sink into people's memories. So. Pick the one thing that's causing that pain and correct it. Is it splitting your money into two different accounts? You know, your business accounts or your personal, or is it looking over your P&L or creating a P&L maybe? Yeah, you just got to start. When we had time, we had no money. When we had money, we had no time. So for me, it was really getting a grip on our money so I could get my time back. And now, you know, we sold $64, $62 million worth of sales last year. And when I tell people it was less than 40 hours a week, I don't know that they truly believe us, but it truly is. So it was getting a grip, not only on our money so we could get our time back, but in that process, it really helps set up systems and tools on the money side and the business side so that they blended. And I, I sleep great. There were years where I know we've had discussions with other realtors too. And I'm just not sleeping. Well, it was because we didn't have those things written down and balanced. And now we do. And I'm grateful that Steve has the knowledge he does to help with those numbers. I think you're probably pretty good with the numbers too. <laughs> I think you both are. So I can't thank you enough for joining us today. And I thank you for what you're doing for your community and the examples that you give to your local office and uh, other offices in the area because you are you guys are beacons you really are and i so appreciate knowing you and watching your career soar and your family soar. i absolutely love it so thanks for being with us and we appreciate you being part of that history thanks todd that concludes this episode of get the money right be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of our new episodes that come out every monday we have a get the money right facebook group linked to the description where we post discussions to answer your questions if you want to support the show, please leave a five-star review and share with your colleague. If you're a real estate agent who is getting their money right and want to be guests on the show, please submit all inquiries to getthemoneyright.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.